With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Defiant Wrestling's James R. Kennedy. Top class, middle initial, bottom line. And you, my friends, are listening to the wonderful Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome, everyone, to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. My name's Ross McLeod, and I'm joined by a man who's top class, middle initial, bottom line, the greatest man with three first names since Neil Patrick Harris. His name to his fans in Defiant and ICW is a mere careless whisper in the wind. He's James R. Kennedy. You just stole all my material. <laughs> one, in one paragraph, you've just stole everything I have. I should go him now, to be honest. How you doing, mate? I'm good, man. Thanks very much for having me. Not at all. Right, so... Well, before we start the interview, just a wee bit of housekeeping. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Top Class Kennedy, and you can follow my girlfriend as well <laughs> at Selena Gomez as well. Please stop sending her all these messages. It's disgusting. She doesn't certainly doesn't want any pictures, any of that. Uh, send them to me instead, so I can have a laugh at them. <laughs> Fair enough. You can find us on all social media platforms at Suplex Retweet, and you can also use that to find us on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and all good Android podcasting sites. We welcome all feedback that's five stars anything else please take it elsewhere and as we start this interview we'll start it off the way we do all our interviews why are you passionate about pro wrestling and where did that passion come from you know it's like when you're grown up it's just you get to that age as a wee guy where like I don't know if you guys went through it but like I had an older sister so I was just the only boy and I had an older sister so I kind of like liked everything she liked which is dangerous by the way, because that includes like Spice Girls and stuff like that, you know what I mean? And then you get to this age where you start thinking you want your own interests. Wrestling accidentally was one of them. I was over at my... My dad's a musician and he has been for about 40 years now professionally. So he was away a lot when I was a kid. Not in a bad way. I hastened to add to like... Saw a lot of them, but he did go on tour and stuff like that. So my mum would have to find babysitters and stuff for me and my sister when we were younger. And the next door neighbour just happened to be one. So we used to go over to hers a lot. And her oldest son, Ross, was a huge wrestling fan. Great name. It's, it's a wonderful name, man. Huh? He's a handsome guy like yourself as well. But Ross was a lovely guy always to me. Even though he was about four or five years older, he used to actually go into the back garden quite a lot and kick a ball about and pretend to be Rangers. We used to pretend to be Rangers players and do the commentary and then pretend to be Scotland players and all the rest of it. And through this, through going to his house, I found out that he had mountains of wrestling tapes, like the old VHS tapes. But he was a wee bit older than me, as I say, didn't really pay attention to them anymore. So he would let me take them back home with me. Because I'll be honest, when I saw the covers of them, I just thought, this is like cartoons or something. I, d- I didn't really, I don't remember looking at them and going, oh, this is like fighting or anything. I just remember thinking, what is this? Is like the Ultimate Warrior and stuff. So on them, these big, colourful personalities. So that was where my love affair started. I remember the very first wrestling I saw was his VHS tape of WrestleMania 3. Oh, nice. And that's going back a bit. And it wasn't obviously in 1987 when that happened. This is years beyond that. But he had the tape on and he was watching the main event, Hogan Andre. And yeah, it just snowballed from there. I think I was at his door every day to get a new tape, <laughs> like to swap it with it. Like, honestly, every single day. But bless his parents who were really patient with me. And that was it. And then eventually, obviously, my mum and dad started seeing that I liked this stuff and they started buying me my own tapes magazines and stuff and it snowballed from there so always been passionate about it always loved it and always written about it from a young age as well which is probably quite odd but I had to find an outlet for it no one else around me liked it so <laughs> I had to find something fair enough and so our next question and these are his words not mine <laughs> it's from the in brackets true defiant commentator of the year Dave Bradshaw 
Right, right. And he has a three-part question for you. Okay. So, number one, how many curtains had to die to create your latest jacket? <laughs> Jesus. You couldn't count them on your own hands. Honestly, it was a curtain massacre <laughs> around these parts. My granny's good curtains as well. She was, she was raging, so she was. Question two, what's with wearing sunglasses indoors? Do you have an eye disorder? Well, I actually do as well, but that's not the reason why I'm just weird. <laughs> nah, it's just one of these things. Have you ever heard Bret Hart? It was in his book, actually, he talked about it. When he started doing promos, he found that his eyes were going crazy. Like, they just he couldn't keep them still. It was just a twitch he had. He was nervous. So he thought by wearing shades, it would cover that up. Batista said something similar, because, I mean, I don't know what he's got to be shy about or, <laughs> you know, like, self-conscious about, but he was. So he used to wear shades all the time. Very similar for myself. It was just, it removes a little bit of the like kind of personal side of it, if that makes sense. It's just, I don't know, it is almost like hiding behind something, mm-hmm. like a mask or something. But it did help me in the early days, and then I just kind of stuck with it, and now I wear them to bed. Is it also so Dave doesn't see eye roll at his jokes? Oh no, I don't need to eye roll now, I just dig him in the ribs. <laughs> and question three from Dave Bradshaw, he just says, why are you the way you are? Well, Dave, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you are because you don't have a social life. Uh, no, that's not true. Dave's got a better social life than me. Uh, twice the social life, in fact. Why am I the way I am? That's, I can't answer that question. How am I to, you'll need to ask my mother, Dave. <laughs> so as we get back on track for that personal attack, and again, <laughs> his word's not mine. How did you get your start in wrestling? Because a lot of the guys we ask here, it's a case of, oh, I went to Source, GPWA, we went to PBW all the great schools around Scotland but how did you manage to start getting work as like a manager and commentator? To be honest I really snuck in the back door I was living on St Vincent Street in Glasgow in a basement flat in about late 2010 and we were wait- we just moved into the flat and we were waiting on the new router to come from Virgin Media but it was really snowy that winter surprise surprise in Scotland and it was like honestly like in a basement flat it's hellish I don't know if you've ever lived in one don't do it if you if, if you haven't honestly like getting out your front door because obviously you're, you're beneath the street so it's a staircase down to it and people and everything vehicles and everything just chuck the snow down into you so trying to get out the door is a challenge in itself and the postie wouldn't deliver the router so I used to go to the Mitchell library and check my emails Facebook and stuff like that and one day I was on Facebook and I was waiting on my girlfriend to finish what she was doing so I was just killing time and I don't know if they've still got it but they used to have the people you may know thing it had, it'll be somewhere but it used to be on like the left or right of the screen on your main timeline and I saw one Mark Dallas on that <laughs> and it was only a tiny wee thumbnail of a picture but I could tell that he was in a wrestling ring and more to the point I could tell he wasn't a wrestler if that makes sense Mm -hmm. I thought he was a manager at first I had no idea he was the promoter and owner of ICW so I clicked his profile and indeed it said owner of ICW whatever so I don't know why or what possessed I'd already messaged the SWA but at that time their website was without being harsh pish it was terrible it was awful and I'm sure it's great now but I'd emailed them um, it was one of these old like geosite type things there was like loads of colours and stuff so I'd messaged them somehow find the, found the click here to email button and I get no response I was looking for a way in I was looking for uh, by that point I'd written about wrestling for a couple of years I wanted to do more I don't know what possessed me but I sent Mark Dallas a message I didn't send him a friend request I just sent him a message mm-hmm. and I thought he might never see that and if he does he's probably not going to reply because he'll get a lot of them well sure enough it wasn't the next day but it was a couple of days later I went in and I had a message back from him Right. And it was basically a challenge, if you like, which was, all right, okay, record a promo and send it to me. <laughs> and it was just happenstance as well that they were looking to introduce a character called the teen sensation Christopher, who was like a Justin Bieber ripoff, and they wanted a guy to be his agent. So they were looking for a manager. And I think he was just like, right, okay, do it. So my sister at the time was doing a course in photography through Open Uni. So I asked her very nicely if she would not film it for me, but set up a camera and leave the room because I was terrified, basically, of doing this in front of anyone. So she did, and I cut the the worst promos. I wish I still had them because, honestly, they're awful. Ted DiPiase, Million Dollar Man ripoffs in my pre-mark suit just uncomfortable you know I didn't know what was going on I was just making up as I went along well I sent these to Dallas and for whatever reason he liked it and before this is how quickly it happened honestly within like a week I went from messaging this guy 
who had never met, who I wasn't even sure was a part of wrestling, to being booked on an ICW show. And um, things happen, or, you know, they're very different now. You couldn't really get in that way. Yeah. I don't think you could. Um, but he said to me, go and speak to Kid Fight. He owns and runs the PBW Academy. And at that time, it was in Disco Bride. I think it moved to Barhead and now it's everywhere. So he said, go and speak to him. I want you to learn how to bump. And I'm going to put my hand on my heart here and say that I pretty much never did. I went to the training school, but I've always... Bumping's always been like this real weakness for mm-hmm. me. I've never really wanted to be a wrestler. I know that sounds odd. I always wanted to be a commentator or a manager or write about it or do something non-physical with it, maybe create storylines or characters or something. So I never really wanted to become a wrestler. So that was the tough part for me. The, f- the physical part was the toughest part for me because even though they were fair, they worked you hard because they're trying to weed out if you if you really want it. You know what I mean? So I did really want it, but I phoned my mum after the first training session greeting um, because it was... <laughs> It was sore, you know. I couldn't believe it. I watched this for years, and it was so painful. So I did go to a couple of training sessions, and maybe not as many as I should have. So to sum it up, uh, I did sneak in the back door a bit because my very first show was about a month after that, and it was Christopher against Johnny Moss. Jesus, and I was terrified. <laughs> but great experience. I'm glad in a way that I was just a cheeky bastard and just sent him that message. I think that's a lesson as well. It's what I did with FSM and what culture and everything I've managed to get in wrestling. I've just been cheeky about it, and I think you kind of have to be. You know, mm-hmm. you have to put yourself out there because the way I looked at it was, no one's going to come and ask me to be a wrestling manager in my flat in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. No one's going to knock on the door and go, "Do I do I kick against Johnny Moss? Do I have my steel chair? It's just not going to happen." So. I knew I had to put myself out there and out with my comfort zone. So I did, and it worked out well, and Mark Dallas was definitely the right guy to contact at that time. This is not an open invitation, people, by the way. James nor Mark wants you to message them right now. (laughs) Mark's very busy, and and James does not want to be yelled at. (laughs) I get enough of that, trust me. (laughs) So obviously you mentioned Teen Sensation, Christopher. Some of the names you've managed that stick out are the likes of... Joe Henry, you manage Kenny Williams. What's it like to see those guys doing so well after working with them? Could you always tell they were going to go far, or was it a case of like they've surprised you with how far they went? It sounds like the cliched answer, but you knew. Mm-hmm. Do you know that way? You, you didn't know like how far or how quickly. Mm-hmm they would rise up and become stars. You, just, you couldn't have known that. You could add a shot in the dark and said you thought it might happen, but you couldn't say for sure. But certainly with Joe Hendry, if I'm being brutally honest with it, I attached myself to Joe Hendry. It wasn't the other way about. Honestly, you can't get more honest than that. It's the truth. I saw him do a promo in the ABC with Mark Dallas where he was trying to get into the office and sing him a song or something. It was like his introductory promo. And I was in the room and I'd finished my bit for the night and I had a beer and I had to be silent and watch this anyway and there's loads of us trying to be quiet and Joe's doing this promo and I just saw him and I thought he's got something about him I don't know what it is he's just got something about him and from that moment on I remember I messaged him on Facebook seems to be my, my MO like, just so <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're famous expect a message from me sometime soon but I just messaged him and I was like at that point I'd finished up the story with uh, Christopher he disappeared uh, for personal reasons and I was still managing Kenny Williams but I know or I, I knew at that point that ICW wanted to move him into a babyface role so they wanted to move him off me and I was looking for I was in limbo so I needed another client and I thought Joe Hendry would be perfect for it because at that point I was doing this character that was trying to cleanse ICW and make it WWE make it Disney mm-hmm. make it wholesome for families and stuff you can see how well that worked out um, <laughs> and Joe Hendry just seemed to fit that he was doing this like he wouldn't swear he was doing this family man singing gimmick and it just seemed to fit and I think at first he was a bit hesitant because I don't think he wanted a manager a lot of wrestlers don't mm-hmm. I think they look at it as is that a promoter saying I can't talk or you know you're giving me this guy to talk for me why can't I talk for myself but then I think you realised that I'd been in ICW for a bit I was already getting booed by fans so it'd be an easy in for him in a way so that that's how I became attached to Joe Hendry it was definitely me who made the first steps and I know he wasn't up for it at first but I like to think it, it turned into something pretty pretty special and by the way I'm by no means taking any credit for I think he would have made it if he was regardless of what he did he's just you can just tell when you meet the guy that he's intense but he's driven and he's um, determined to make something of himself and he excels at everything he puts his mind to Um, and that's something to you know that's something to say wow well done 
And I, I did think that in the early days. I just thought, he's got something about him. I want to be involved with him. For Kenny Williams, he came in just as part of a, a tag team gimmick. They wanted mm-hmm. to turn the teen sensation into a, a tag wrestler. And Kenny Williams came in as like his younger cousin or his brother <laughs> or something like that. So he came in that way. And it probably took a while or a, a bit longer for me to see what he had. But you could always kind of tell that he had a natural charisma about him as well. <laughs> Fair enough. So before your recent brief return to ICW, you were away for over two years what were you up to in that time and was there any opportunities for a comeback before you returned December 1st at France 99? The return was a total shocker to me. I, I honestly thought it was Baramania in 2016. We did this thing where it was the 55 against Polo Promotions mm-hmm. and it was a throw in the... like You had to... Manager throws in the towel. Whichever manager throws in the towel, the team loses and the manager's gone. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing that and I did this big thing it wasn't planned but I took off the gear that I was wearing not all of it don't worry <laughs> took off like the jacket and the gloves and all that sort of stuff and put it down in the middle of the ring and kind of walked out and I remember Mark Dallas saying to me you'll be back here you'll be back here like, mm-hmm. you know that's, don't think that you're going anywhere well I think the plan was to bring me back but it just for varying reasons it just never happened and also I started getting booked a lot down south what culture started WCPW Walk Culture Pro Wrestling which later became Defiant and I started putting them all into that and it just kind of ICW didn't fall out my mind but just you know that way where you've got like mates and you grow up a bit and you move on yeah. it was kind of like that to be honest and I kind of felt as if I did my time there or done my time there and maybe there was no use for me anymore then the return happened and that was a complete shocker but we can get into that if you like at some point <laughs> so look, did the did they just call you up out the blue saying we need a commentator? Yeah, I think it was something to do, it was just a short notice thing, where William Grange had, I think it was something to do with a, a holiday, or I, I don't really know the ins and outs of it, to be honest, but I know that he couldn't do the, the Hydro weekend short notice. Mm-hmm. So Billy Kirkwood called me and asked if I wanted to do it, and I was actually way down in Campbelltown on the West Coast where I grew up, and I play a lot of like wedding gigs with my dad. Mm-hmm. And we were doing a run of gigs down there. And I actually just... I remember when he phoned me, I was like, what should I do? Because I don't want to let my dad down. But this is also an opportunity. I've always I always wanted to do commentary in ICW before I left. And they would never let me do it. Mm-hmm. And I watched loads of people get opportunities and do it. And some of which, some of whom were really good at it. Don't get me wrong. But I always felt like... Bastard, I want that chance. I just want to do it once, even for like a match that my wrestlers are involved in, and I never got the opportunity. So I went down south and I'd started to work as a commentator, and I thought, right there when Kirk would phone me, I thought, ah, okay, like, but I know I can smooth things over with my dad. I know he'll understand. Yeah. And this is a kind of once in a lifetime opportunity for me. You know, this is what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to commentate in ICW because it's such a as a colour commentator, it's such a good product to commentate mm-hmm. because it's character-based and storyline-based and there's a lot to talk about. And um, So I always wanted to do that. So Kirkwood, I just phoned me one day out of the blue. And well, he actually messaged me the day before on Twitter and he was like, can we speak tomorrow? And I had no idea at that point what it was about. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely didn't have a clue. So then set up a time, spoke to him, and he told me that they wanted to bring me in for that weekend. And before you knew it, I was away suit shopping, <laughs> cutting up my granny's curtains, um, <laughs> trying to find a jacket for the Hydro, which was a buzz. Because when I left ICW the first time, it was about six months before the first Hydro show. Mm-hmm. So I never got to do one of them. I'd done the SECC, but not the Hydro. Uh, and it was a buzz to be able to do that, to be honest. It's, it's also, it's like your Scottish bond. It's, the Hydro is the biggest stadium in Scotland. Mm-hmm. If somebody's there and you get an opportunity, it's like you have to take it. Yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, you mentioned Defiant earlier on. Defiant's a place you've made your name for yourself down south. You even managed Alex Gracie in the company's first televised match. What was it like just seeing the former WCPW? Just It was almost like an overnight explosion. What was it like being involved in that? It's crazy, to be honest. <clears throat> I mean, I remember we were backstage at a show and... We'd only been a company for about four or five months at this point. And we were doing this pay-per-view, I, th- I think it was in Newcastle. you think I'd fucking know, considering the story I'm about to tell, but I don't. <laughs> and Dan, who works incredibly hard behind the scenes there, um, and I know he's went on to do stuff with ITV, with WOS and things like that, and um, works in, a really hard-working guy and a really passionate guy about wrestling as well, and really knowledgeable 
He pulled me aside and he knows what kind of wrestling fan I am. My era is the early 90s, without a doubt. That's what I grew up watching, guys like Brett the Hitman, Hart, Shawn Michaels, etc., etc. Then it bled into Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, blah, blah, blah. So he pulled me aside and he was like, you're going to love this. And I thought he was going to tell me a joke or something. Just by the way, he pulled me aside. And he was like, you're interrupting Bret Hart tonight. And I was oh. like, shut up. You know, I was like, fuck off, no chance. And he went, um, no, no, seriously, Ari's He's going to be like out in the ring cutting this promo about the new tag team titles how he was a tag team star in the Heart Foundation and he knows a good tag team when he sees one he knows there's loads of them behind that curtain and then you guys are going to come out yous are not going to be in the tournament but you're going to come out and basically protest against that like the tag team that I managed the prospect you're going to basically come out cut him off and calm everything under the sun you need to go and talk to him now because it's, it's opening the show and I was like okay I just arrived and all the rest <laughs> of it and sat down with Brett and there's been a lot said and written about that guy but I, I, I always say that you only go by how people treat you mm-hmm. personally you know you can hear it wrestling's that kind of business we hear so much so I went and talked to him and he said to me um, I was really nervous when I spoke to him obviously because he was my childhood hero and I asked him what I thought when it came out of my mouth the worst question I could ask him which was what do you want to do then tonight and I, he kind of looked at me and I thought oh fuck he's just going to say like I don't really care you know mm-hmm. But he, he actually, I just remember he kind of like tapped my knee and he went, oh, this isn't about me. You know, I know you've got a young tag team and I know we're introducing the tag titles. Say whatever you want. Like, rip it. They never said rip into me, but, he, you know, he was like, tear, tear me a new one, etc. Say whatever you want. This is about you guys, not me. And I just thought, that's really classy, mm-hmm. considering the fact that it's probably pretty difficult for Brett the Hitman Hart to get excited about anything to do with wrestling now, you know? <laughs> like he's turning up at this show just like, oh, here we go, another booking, blah, blah. It's not, he's, he's done everything, you know? Yeah, so it was, I thought it was really cool of him just to, when he could have just been like, oh, get out of here, you know, I don't care. He actually took the time to like, this is about you. Make, put yourself over, don't worry about me or anything. I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, just stories like that encapsulate the WCPW experience for me because in the early days, it was just amazing to be on shows with like Kurt Angle and guys like that. You know, it just like, you can run through the whole list. I mean, I did a pay-per-view that the main event was Del Rio versus Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. And there was another one that was like Cody Rhodes. Kurt, I mean, it's just... When you're a wee boy watching wrestling mm-hmm. in your bedroom, you don't ever think you're going to be in that position. So it was it was a whirlwind ride. Um, and it also made me feel good as well, because as I say, when I came out of ICW in 2016, I kind of thought, well, that's my journey over. You know, I've had some nice experiences and been on shows with some cool people, met a lot of nice people as well, achieved a lot of my ambitions. And then WCPW came along and it was just like pressing the reset button and it was just like being a kid again. It was really cool. Yeah, it's, it's the sort of thing, obviously, you hear a lot of wrestlers say it themselves, like the likes of Wade Barrett left because he says, I, th- I think I've done everything I can at the minute. I'd like to try something different. It's not that he doesn't want to do WWE. Yeah. It's the fact that he wants something a bit different to challenge himself. Yeah. Because that was sort of like the fine words for you, just a different challenge. Well, like, I'd, honestly, it just kind of happened. Like, I would love to sit here and say, like, I calculated but when I left ICW there wasn't a WCPW you know it was it took another two or three months before they actually started that when I left ICW like being honest I just thought oh well you know that was fun I got to be a manager for a while and you know as I say I got given a great opportunity Mark Dallas put me in some nice spots really great shows I got to go on tour with them etc and I honestly did think oh well that's that I did think about the possibility of maybe I'll try and become a manager elsewhere, but I had no clue how to do that because up until that point, I'd only really done ICW. So because I'd snuck in the back door and I hadn't really went to a training school and like religiously and stuff like that and then been headhunted out of that, mm-hmm. I wasn't really that well known, if that makes sense. Certainly, and a lot of promoters in Scotland are not really going to book a manager because if you think about it like that, that money that they're paying you, that wage could go towards a wrestler who can do a lot more things. So I understand that. So when I left ICW, I just thought, well, that's that then. And then WCPW started and it was just chaos. So through Defiant as well, you've been able to call matches with the likes of Austin Aries and the former Neville Pack. 
could you would you be mind telling the listeners the story you told me why it was so special to call matches with Austin Aries and Neville well this is one of these <coughs> like I always talk a lot and when I'm writing articles and stuff I've always had a real problem with see when people in wrestling say ah, what a marky thing to say well, mm-hmm. listen see when you were like seven years old and mm-hmm. you were watching Wrestlemania or something what were you a fan a mark you know what I mean like Mark Dallas once said something to me where he was like we're all marks mm-hmm. like it's true we're all fans so the story I told you was like just a really nice personal one because I'd always wanted to go to Wrestlemania who doesn't you know what I mean it's one of these things and I got to go with Walk Culture and we put on a show out in Orlando which I wrestled on and the, the less said about that the better <laughs> let's just say I don't want to wrestle ever again to call it a wrestling match is inaccurate you know what I mean it wasn't a wrestling match it was, it was me going the fuck did I do here for about 15 minutes was it the equivalent of Bobby the Brain against Ultimate Warrior oh no you can't put it into that <laughs> Bobby knew what he was doing compared to me I was just a scared kid just like what the hell am I doing here I don't belong out here that match should have been like two minutes me getting shit canned bumped and that's it it shouldn't have been 15 minutes of stall and stuff but anyway so we're out there get to go to Mania 33 it's 2017 and that was a buzz for me as well because The Undertaker was headlining that show mm-hmm. and I'd never seen The Undertaker live so I was buzzed about that I was, I'd was i never seen Goldberg either I was buzzed about that but the opening match was on the kickoff show I think but it was the first match we saw was the Cruiserweight title Austin Aries against Neville and I didn't think anything of that at the time it was a good match mm-hmm. but I think we were just coming in at that point we were still trying to find our seats and stuff so I kind of caught like the majority of it I didn't see their entrances I didn't see the first exchange but we caught the majority of it and then fast forward to make a long story short doing commentary in Defiant and Austin Aries comes in Mm -hmm. and that was a buzz for me as well to commentate him and he became Defiant champion had great matches with Rampage and everyone else and then latterly just very recently we had Pac come in or Neville as he was called in WWE and he came in for a match with David Starr so I got to commentate that as well and then it struck me that I'd actually got to commentate both halves of the very first Wrestlemania match that I saw live Mm -hmm. and I just thought that was pretty cool for a wee guy who grew up with a sister who had a passive interest in wrestling she liked Royal Rumbles and that was about it she liked Royal Rumbles and she liked Survivor Series and that was about it so I didn't have a lot of friends apart from Ross across the street who'd kind of grown out of wrestling didn't have a lot of friends who were into wrestling Mm -hmm. and I used to just like write down what my, my dreams were and stuff like that and notepads and all this and one of my dreams was that I wanted to commentate one day for wrestlers who had been at Wrestlemania mm-hmm. I didn't specify I wanted the main event or whatever I just wanted people who had been on that card I wanted to call their matches and I got to do that with Austin Aries and Neville Pack, and it was just a really cool personal moment for me so that was like a when I messaged you that on Twitter that was like a dawning realisation for me as well I'd only thought of that like a couple of days ago so I was I was really excited about that really excited and it lived up to expectations because both those guys are phenomenal workers so yeah happy with that <laughs> you were talking about obviously your pal Ross had grown out of wrestling was there anything worse and I think the listeners who are still into wrestling because you know we all kind of look at it at times and go I really should have grown out of this by now but is there anything worse than finding out your pal when you went to talk to him about wrestling and go, oh, I don't watch it anymore? Oh, I have to. Like, part of you dies. Aye. But Ross used to, <clears throat> because he'd seen all these characters and watched these videos like a million times, he's like, we're watching them in his house and it's like, for example, I think one of them was SummerSlam 93, right? And one of the matches was Bret Hart against Jerry Lawler, but Jerry Lawler comes out on crutches and says, I've been in a car wreck, I can't wrestle, and he sends Doink the Clown to wrestle for him, right? And I, I just remember I reacted to that as a kid, like, oh my God, I was terrified of clowns as well, so I was like, <laughs> oh my God, it's Doink, whatever. And he'd seen it all, and I just remember him rolling his eyes, and that was one of the first moments where I thought, geez, I'm really not cool. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really not cool at all. And so you're totally right, like, that happened to me all the time guys at school like older guys I remember I was playing football with these guys one time and my pal Fraser his brother was in the year above us at school and we were playing football with all them and they were kind of like cool to mm. us you know what I mean because they were like older boys and they're like they all had girlfriends and stuff and they were like yeah they're like they're men and we're boys <laughs> you know what I mean it's funny the things you think but uh, I remember um, chatting to Fraser about like something that happened on Raw or something like that and uh, I turned to his older brother Robert and I just went oh did you see it and he went I don't watch that I watch WCW 
NWO for life. I remember he said that. And I just remember being like, the hell's WCW? And like, that just seemed like he's one step ahead of me. So yeah. much cooler than me. So it does, you, you feel like, because I was kind of late to the party with a lot of these tapes as well, I mm. definitely felt as if people would laugh at that and like hit down. Like, how dare you talk to me about WrestleMania 7? Mm. How dare you? <laughs> So, obviously, when you were back in ICW, you were reunited with Jen Louise. And I saw a wee Twitter exchange with you two recently discussing about starting your own podcast. Mm -hmm. It was a podcast that fell through last year. So, is that still up there, or could we see the Jen and Jamie show coming to their web soon? Hopefully. My vision behind that, to be honest with you, was... Have you ever met Jen? Briefly outside Box after Baromania. She's she, she did a soundbite for us. All right. And I went outside to find my pals doing the soundbite. Mm. And I wasn't even looking at her. And she mucked up the intro and laughed. And then turned to me, who she had just met, and went, he made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know that. She's got one of the, like, because she's as sweet as sweet can be, but she's got one of those, like, dead, <laughs> dirty laughs as well. Like, I, like I really, she'll be the first to tell you that. But in terms of the podcast, like, Jen's just someone that I met through ICW and I thought was lovely mm -hmm. um, from the get-go and I became really good friends with her as well. And my idea for the podcast was if you spend significant time in her company over a pint or whatever, you find that she's pretty much ideal to be like a TV presenter or something. She's got that kind of daytime, sugary sweet, like... Philip Schofield vibe. I, funny you say that because the way that I worded this podcast to her was I want to do a... Because everyone was doing like wrestling podcasts and stuff and there's loads of them and there's very good ones including this one. Of course. And, uh, <laughs> and my idea for it was to do something that I didn't... Well, it maybe has been done, but I haven't seen it. So I worded to Jen this. I basically said, can we start a podcast? It's basically two, an excuse for two pals to get a couple of beers and talk about wrestling, but in a kind of whimsical, nice way. And she was like, well, I, well, if you want, kind of thing. And I was like, right, the best way to describe it is I want to be the Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby of wrestling podcasts. Do you know what I mean? I want to be like daytime telly in a, in a wrestling podcast form. She was like, I would love that. So we started, but she's just so busy. You know what I mean? She's yeah. doing the cultaholic stuff and smashing it as well. She does a lot of, she helps out inside the ropes as well on their tours. She's so, so busy with ICW and all the rest of it. So it hasn't quite happened yet, but we occasionally when we meet up, it'll just be like, we should really mm. get back on that. Because I think we'd have a hell of a lot of fun with it as well so maybe watch this space so it's usually a generic question so we're going to have a bit of fun with it. you're going to manage a stable right I need your dream defiant client okay. your dream ICW client your dream current WWE client and your dream client from your childhood your, one of your childhood okay. favourites so it's a four man stable so we'll start with the defiant who do you want from there Sounds like an easy answer because he's a champ just now. But you know when you there's going to be two wrestlers on this list that this is pretty much the answer for. You know that way when you, you meet someone, you watch them work, and you're just like Jesus, mm -hmm. like that is a wrestler to me. It'd be Rampage Brown. Um, as, as soon as I saw him, I just thought like that is my type of wrestler. You know, just a big guy who can move but also smash people and mm -hmm. throw them around as well. And he's a deceptively good talker as well. A lot of people don't give him credit for that because um, I worked a programme opposite him. I was managing a wrestler called Primate and they were doing this best of seven series which the, the idea actually got skewed because the idea was supposed to be that match one was just a match then match two was like a street fight or a no DQ and then match three was like there was going to be like an ambulance involved and all, like so it was going to escalate to the point they were going to be in a cage at the end mm -hmm. so it was going to be like seven stages of seven deadly sins kind of thing mm -hmm. well it got ruined because they ended up doing like a tag match together or something I didn't understand the booking but anyway I worked this programme opposite Rampage and we were cutting kind of dueling promos and I just thought it was really good just really good and it was another example to me of why he's one of the best wrestlers around in terms of ICW I would have to say can I split this answer well, I'll give you I'll give you two and then I'll whittle it down to one Is that okay? right, cool. the two that come to mind immediately are Wolfgang and Joe Coffey okay. and I would go for Joe Coffey simply because I remember like seeing him when he was young in ICW and just thinking jeez he looks like a throwback to like the NWA mm -hmm. you know like the 80s like Greg the Hammer Valentine and guys like that that's kind of what he reminded me of and obviously he's taking that further now he's someone that I just think has unlimited potential I've heard like stories that people in WWE are really high on him and rightfully so 
Um, he's just gone from strength to strength. So for ICW, it'd be Joe Coffey. In terms of WWE right now, this is going to annoy a lot of people. It's going to annoy a lot of people. Braun Strowman. Do you know why? Why? Because how easy would it be to cut promos about him? Uh, exactly. <laughs> the size of him, he sells himself. There is a split answer in there, but it's a selfish one. It would be Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Braun Strowman, definitely, because I always watched Bobby Heenan with Andre the Giant, their promos, and like... I could just tell that Heenan was having so much fun because you can just talk for days about him. And that's how I'd feel about Braun Strowman. I just, I wouldn't shut up. I'd be like Leo Rush on steroids. You know, I'd just be like with how he is with Bobby Lashley. Like, I'd just be so annoying because I would, I would have so much to say about the guy. In terms of like classic wrestlers, I would have to say, oh God, that's a tougher one for some reason. Because there's like, I'm, what I'm thinking of is there's like guys who I would like to manage, but they don't necessarily, not that the guys beforehand do need managers, but like, I've seen these guys cut so many promos that it would yeah. kind of be cheeky to go, I'll do them. I would have to say, if I was to put myself in my shoes as a child, especially in the late 90s when I started to watch WCW and stuff, it would be Goldberg. Goldberg. Yeah, just because, again, so easy to talk about. And his matches were short, so you'd only be out there for like two minutes. (laughs) So a stable coming soon with Defiant Champion Rampage, with ICW Zero G Champion Joe Coffey, with future Universal Champion eventually Braun Strowman, and the former Universal Champion Goldberg. I'm a glory hunter, really. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That terrifies me in, like, in <laughs> fantasy and reality, it'd be truly... T- Do you want to come to the wrestling tonight, Ross? Absolutely not. <laughs> I've got a definite, like, type of wrestler that I like. Yeah. I like... I've always liked guys who look like wrestlers. Yeah. Like, I love... Don't get me wrong, I love the style that's going on now. Mm. Like, I don't know if you've caught that halftime heat. I've not watched it yet, but the, every wrestler in that is Balls to the wall, amazing. action. Phenomenal, right? Yes. But I've always loved a bit of old school in the wrestlers that I like. Mm-hmm. And obviously Goldberg qualifies for that because he's old school to me because I was a kid. Braun Strowman has this kind of giant vibe that's classic WWE. <laughs> Joe Coffey, the NWA vibes that he gives off. Um, and Rampage also has that kind of aura about him as well. So I've got this definite type. I like people that... I subscribe to that Vince McMahon thing where when people walk through an airport... And they're just like, everyone looks. Mm-hmm. I like that kind of wrestler. That's what I like. <laughs> That's a truly terrifying staple. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> right, so we'll go for a wee bit of quickfire here before we wrap it up. Hogan or Savage? Oh, Jesus. Technically, Randy Savage, but I was a Hogan guy as a kid. Hogan guy. Yeah, right. I was always a Hulkster. Rock or Austin? Austin, for me. I mean, Rock speaks for himself and what he's went on to do, but I just... I kind of wish that... Even though it worked out well for him, I kind of wish that Austin... Well, obviously, I wish he hadn't injured his neck at SummerSlam 97, but he kind of changed his style after that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, And he, he had to, because he was more limited with his neck and stuff. I kind of wish... I would have loved to have seen the matches he was capable of having mm-hmm. if that hadn't happened with like Shawn Michaels and stuff. So, Austin for me. Pardon me, died there being the biggest rock fan in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, you're a commentator, and that's something you've always wanted to do. Mean Gene or Bobby the Brain? Oh, man! Oh, that's brutal! My heart says Bobby the Brain Heenan because he was my hero. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Mean Gene Okerlund. I don't think there's a better backstage interviewer ever than him. And I know that's like a typical thing to say. You've heard a lot of it, he just passed away. And a lot of people have been saying that. But I just think, almost underappreciated when I was a kid, mm-hmm. Mean Gene Okerlund, because I just thought he had an easy gig. It wasn't easy. Some of the stuff he had to do was really difficult. But Bobby the Brain Heenan, because he was my guy growing up. Fair enough. Uh, night in or night out? I'm a night in kind of guy. <laughs> uh, you, you can probably tell from this conversation I don't get out much. <laughs> well, you've told me before you're a bit of a gamer, so PlayStation or Xbox? Oh, PlayStation, because I grew up with PlayStation. I went to Xbox with the 360, mm-hmm. which I think was the right call in retrospect, but I went back to PlayStation for the PS4, and I think that was the right call as well. So definitely a Sony guy. Alex Gracie or Lucas Archer? Oh. Come on, that's tough. That's <laughs> why they're in here. There's Jeez. still stuff <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Lucas Archer simply because one time we were out after a show and I bought Alex Gracie a pint and he never bought me one back. He's a round dodger. I don't know if he's a round dodger, but he never bought me one back. Nah, that's not true. But I have to give you a story to go. I'm going to go with Lucas Archer just because you'll never meet a nicer guy 
Gracie's a, a great guy as well, but look. But he dodges around in it. I mean, dodges around. That's all we need to talk about now. <laughs> I think I actually owe him a pint, to be honest with you. Uh, Christopher or Kenneth? I'm going to go Kenny Williams on that. The only reason being is that he's a pint or no, he's not. Uh, <laughs> the only reason being is that, like, I mean, look at what he's become. Yeah. You know? You want, him, you want the lion when you said you were a glory hunter? <laughs> <laughs> Primate or Joe Henry? Oh! I'd. Um, I had a lot of fun managing Primate, but it wasn't for the longest spell. So I'm going to have to go Joe Hendry simply because oh. that was probably the first guy that I managed where I actually felt like I belonged. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Here's a quick side story on the, the 55 as well. The thing about the 55 was look at the talent that was in that and the experience as well. You guys like Kid Fight, Shah Samuels, Martin Kirby was in it earlier on, Tim Wiley and Bram came into it. They even brought uh, Nick Aldous Magnus in for a couple of shots as well. And, uh, and Doug Williams, I got to manage him through that. I wasn't ready for that. No, the, the, those guys were so experienced and they were expecting a manager who really had his shit together and, and was going to be there without being told a lot. Mm-hmm. I wasn't at that stage. So the difference with Joe Hendry was that he was new mm-hmm. so we kind of fed off each other there was no pressure on either side whereas in the 55 certainly at first I, I was really nervous about that because I felt under pressure to live up to expectations it may be a different story now but certainly like three or four years ago that I was really nervous but I've rambled again Joe Hendry's the answer Aries or Neville I was going to say Austin Aries there because I was going to say he's a better talker but Pac cut a promo for us in Defiant mm-hmm. just recently that was an absolute cracker and I remember that like, he came into his own when he started doing the King of Cruiserweights thing on 205 Live as well so that's an even tougher one uh, I'm going to go Austin Aries because I remember being really I remember seeing him someone showed me some ROH stuff years and years ago that he was involved in and I also really enjoyed him in TNA as well it was really good to see someone like that get an opportunity to be a world champion especially because he's not the biggest guy yeah absolutely so, Cody Rhodes or Kenny Omega? I'm going to anger Dave Meltzer fans everywhere. <laughs> and I'm going to go Cody Rhodes. And there's a reason beyond the actual wrestling. I just think, what a smart guy. Mm-hmm. You know, to like, that was a risk for him. To like, he had an easy, not an easy gig, but he had like a cushy gig as Stardust in WWE. Mm-hmm. And I just think it was really brave of him to go, I'm not happy here, I want to go and do my own thing. And then you look at what he's done off the back of that. He's an entrepreneur and he's created his own business and look at where All Elite Wrestling is already. Look at how many people are talking about it. So I would have to say him because what a businessman. Jesus. Favourite pay-per-view you've called and defined? Favourite one was the No Regrets because they had a rumble. And that was the first rumble I'd ever called. It was a 30-man rumble. <laughs> and I pretty much just ripped off Bobby Heenan from 1992. Because <laughs> Joe Hendry was... We were doing this site at the time. We're not anymore because he's babyface. But he was in a group called The Prestige yes. at that point. And I was pretty much his cheerleader on commentary. Unofficial manager, if you like. That's how I looked at it. Like Taz uh, and he said names. Aye, pretty much, yeah. And like Heenan and Flair and guys like that. So I would just like cheerlead him throughout the whole rumble. So I, would, like, I had so much fun with that. I was pretending that... You know, there'd been a space-time continuum and, you know, even though he'd only been in for an hour, he'd actually broken a record. He'd been in the Rumble for, like, two weeks. And stuff. <laughs> so I was just having... And Dave's going, well, you be... He's just ripping off Gorilla Monsoon. So he's like, well, you be serious. And me and him are just having an absolute blast mm-hmm. doing this. And Joe joined us on commentary throughout the Rumble as well to catch a breather. And, uh, yeah, no regrets. Cause they also had on that pay-per-view as well, Rampage beat Austin Aries for the title, which was a great match uh, as well. So no regrets from... Last year, I think we're doing a, another rumble this year, which I can't wait for. So, before we continue with the quickfire, Joe Hendry did a video on Defiance Facebook page when he was champion, mm-hmm. calling out The Rock. How much would you love to see a Rock Joe Hendry feud just for the promos alone? I'd love to see it because I know how much Joe would be buzzing about it. Yeah. I mean, because like I think it's no secret to anyone when you look at. Joe Hendry's mannerisms and the way he carries himself and the cadence of how he talks and promos he's patterned a lot of that after The Rock so like for him personally that would be like the dream mm-hmm. and he might get a gig in Hollywood out of it you never know so go for it Joe so TV show you're watching at the minute just finished watching that brutal Ted Bundy tapes documentary on Netflix Conversations with a serial killer yeah um, they've got the film coming soon as well the Zach Efron one. Oh, that's right yeah apparently it's a 
dark humour. It's like a comedy almost. It's got like elements of comedy. Don't know how they're going to work that one. I think it's more the fact the actual Ted Bundy they always say was charming and cheeky and all that. Yeah, we'll see. Like this is going to sound incredibly controversial. A lot of people, but see if you actually watch how he carried himself, that guy could have been a world class actor. With the way he is charming, it was charming. He's dead now. Spoiler alert for anyone want to watch it. But uh, he was such a deceitful, manipulative. He's everything I would want my character to be, apart from obviously the serial <laughs> killing aspect of it. Uh, quickly, two film questions. What's one film that everybody's seen that you haven't? Um, Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my childhood died there. What is one universally loved film that you absolutely hate? A film you hate that everyone's like, oh, what? Finding the name. No. Uh, <laughs> I would say. It's a bit of going back a bit, but I would. I've got a reason for it as well. Titanic. Do you know why? Just because I get made to go and see that about 30 times with my sister in the cinema down in Campbelltown. Honestly, about 30 times. I think I actually counted, I think it was like 33 or something. She'll know, because she was addicted to it. And I remember even as a wee guy thinking, like, just looking at my mum, like, buy her the bloody video. Why do I need to go and watch this again? The video's $14.99. Get her that. It's fucking seven quid for us to go to the pictures. So Titanic, simply because of that. And also because a guy who used to bully me at school had an identical haircut to Leo DiCaprio in that movie, and it, it sickens me to look back at him. So you do not believe the heart will go on? <laughs> no. Heart stopped beating. Steed. <laughs> favourite ICW show you've ever did? Manager uh, or commentator? Favourite one I was on was the first Garage one in 2012 because it felt like... Because we'd been in like Classic Grand, Apollo 23, which was beneath Walkabout. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about that venue was no one could come off the top rope because the ceiling was too low. Uh, so we'd done all these wee things, but like... The garage was a it's a venue everyone had been to gigs mm-hmm. there, you know, you'd, you'd been there before as a kid. So it just took on this new atmosphere. You kind of knew at that point, hey, this company's going places. And the second one is the SCCC, simply because, Jesus, what a buzz. You know, like, but I never, I remember, the, and this is the God's honest truth, first time I met Mark Dallas in person after stalking him on Facebook for a while <laughs> uh, the first time I met him in person was my very first show and it was outside Walkabout and I'd just been Rangers were playing Celtic in a, a cup game that day and I'd been to the pub with a couple of pals to watch it and I think it was a two old do you remember that one where Jamie Ness scored that screamer early on Jamie Ness scores the screamer and then Scott Brown and Juve start their argument aye the that's the one so I'd been to watch that <clears throat> so I was hyped up shall we say I'd just been to say an old fun game in the pub with my pals turned up for this ICW show about there was an early game so it finished about half two turned up about quarter to three whenever I get down to walk about and I spoke to Mark Dallas outside and he introduced himself and he said yeah like uh, the venue's nothing special tonight but I don't know if you've ever been in here blah and I was like no 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 and he went yeah but see within five years I want to run the SECC and I just remember thinking what a strange thing to say you know what I mean like when I've just met you but I remember it hit me the night before the SECC. He was right. He actually done it. Crazy. The hydro wasn't, I think that hydro was like just being built at that point, so I don't think yeah, he ever thought the of it. The SECC was the biggest at the time. It was the biggie, yeah. And, but he done it and then he did three years at the biggest one. I know, exactly. No matter people can say that. So, and just to end us off, best wrestler in the world today. Alicia Fox. No. Um, <laughs> best Northern Lights suplex in the game today. Oh, it's a belter, isn't it? <laughs> Best wrestler, that's that's a really tough one because it's always subjective with... If you follow the kind of like wrestling observer, Dave Meltzer, I guess it would have to be Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. For me, the one that I enjoy watching the most consistently as an all-round package would be Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. He's a guy that I just... I loved him as Tyler Black in ROH and he was one of the first guys to get me interested in NXT. I know he was very early on in NXT as well. Um, but I just remember seeing that picture where he's just won the belt. Remember the old biscuit tin lid belt that NXT had? <laughs> yes. It was just terrible looking. It looked like a belt buckle that a woman would wear around a belt. Uh, yes, around the dress. exactly. And it was just Triple H was raising his hand and I think Dusty Rhodes was there as well. Mm-hmm. And I just remember you, you latch on to certain wrestlers and you enjoy their journey. He's a guy that I've enjoyed his journey and I, I'm personally looking forward to seeing him against Brock Lesnar as well at WrestleMania. So Seth Rollins for me is one of the best. Of course, you have to put Daniel Bryan in the conversation. AJ Styles, you could go on. Dana Brooke, you could you could go on and on. You know, it's just an endless list. 
Fair enough. So we've settled on Dana Brook. Dana Brook, world class talent. <laughs> Before we do our outro, just once again, where can people find you on social media? You can get me on Twitter at Top Class Kennedy. I'm also on Instagram at Top Class Kennedy as well. If you like cat pictures, Instagram's the way to go. If you don't, Twitter's the way to go. If you don't like me, none of them. It's really up to you. Where can we find your Defiant podcast with Dave Bradshaw? Yeah, you can get that just now. We're trying to expand it onto Spotify and iTunes and, and, and different places like that. But for now, it's on the Defiant Wrestling YouTube channel. You just go on YouTube, type in uh, Defiant Wrestling. That'll take you to the channel. You'll find the latest episodes of Reloaded on there. It's really just a, about half an hour long. And it's just me and Dave in character running down all the stories we occasionally have special guests on we just have fun with it it's just really why we started that podcast was just like me and Dave have become good pals and he will not admit to that <laughs> by the way he will not admit to that yes, but we, we have we will edit you saying you like him out of this podcast it's okay. <laughs> but we've become good pals and we've got a, a nice chemistry together and it was really just an excuse to keep that going and also to give us easy prep for shows because if we're talking about it every week we're going to be prepared so is it, is it sort of like a talk smack sort of thing kind of yeah, yeah and we're hoping to expand it as well and get more guests as I say and maybe do some live ones at the pay-per-views and things as well so fair enough so you can find us on social media at Suplex Retweet, on the cat-loving Instagram, on the cat-hating Twitter, and on the cat-neutral Facebook. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, all Android podcasting sites. Just type Suplex Retweet in. I'd like to thank James R. Kennedy to join us today for us talking about Old Firm Darby's DM sliding Mark Dallas, Titanic and haircuts... <laughs> Living in Campbelltown, serial killers, Ted Bundy, Dana Brooke being the best in the world, and much, much more. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you very much for having me, and I'm sorry I've ruined your podcast. <laughs> not at all, not at all. <laughs> Quacky will have his work cut up with this edit, so we're going to see, see you later, guys. Right, bye. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing, whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips you know what you should be doing you should be going online you should be subscribing you should be listening to the back catalogue of eat sleep suplex retweet whatever the fuck you're doing that's what you should be doing i don't care if it's your mum's birthday i don't care if she's feeling contractions get on it right now sports social podcast network when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply